This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to Business Executive Interviews, brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. For more information, visit Flevy.com. That's F-L-E-V-Y, Flevy.com. Our guest on this segment is the most successful sales manager in the history of Roach Diagnostics during his tenure and is also the recipient of 20 President Achievement Awards. This is a record, by the way, that's not been matched since. Charles Fiacabrino joins us. He's a celebrated expert in all things human capital, human resources, and of course, in hiring for organizations and is a contributing author with Flevy.com, where you can find his work. The Fiacciabrino selection process. Let's welcome Charles Fiacciabrino. Charles, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. So, great to have you back. I know we've done uh, interviews before. I wanted to start with the process itself, your selection process. You're the author of this, FSP for short. This is a powerful methodology for interviewing and screening the best people for an organization. So, how does this work? Very basically, when you look at uh, the various approaches that other organizations have used where they use non-specific criteria such as uh, he looks really good or she looks very good nice sounding voice well dressed my approach has to do with humanistic attributes intelligence drive competitiveness loyalty there are about 14 different attribute parameters that I use in determining whether or not that particular individual will qualify for my team. I have found that over the years that those who have a high level of integrity, intelligence, drive, competitiveness, these humanistic traits are the ones that are most likely to succeed. It's almost a given that if an individual possesses these attributes at a very high level, about 14 of them, then it's almost a guarantee that this individual will be successful. And uh, that's basically what it's all about. I also have included a behavioral analysis 
not from a psychological level so much, because really I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but certainly as a manager dealing with people, we have the right to observe behavior and determine whether or not behavior is something that has that is conducive to good public relations, customer relations, and the ability to 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 sell. So we we also look for behavior, and one of the things we look for is the so-called Q4 quadrant behavior. That's a dominant, warm, a behavioral trait. That um, if you have that plus all the other aspects of the the attributes that we're looking for. This type of individual will fit into a a very very strong team oriented uh, culture, and uh, you can almost guarantee this person will be successful, providing that the manager knows what he's doing, knows what she is doing, and can in fact develop this individual to that person's highest potential. See, it's one thing to hire somebody that's really good. It's another thing to be able to develop that individual to his and her highest potential, and that's called implementation. And very few managers that I have seen over the years can really understand that part of the developmental process. That's basically it. And all of this folds in. You mentioned culture, which is key to all of this, the the quality of a team and its various members working together. I'm guessing that that folds into all of the work you have done and do to build culture internally, right? Yes. If you really take a look at the attributes that we're looking for, they all lend themselves to this cultural norm that you're looking for. I mean, how can you get a culture that's going to be a winning culture if you don't have people who are intelligent, have drive, that are competitive. Let's face it, selling is a very competitive industry, and you really have to be very much on the ball to be successful. And it takes all of these attributes to be the very best that you can be and be successful. And the thing that really is interesting is that with these attributes, it folds into a cultural norm because these type of individuals can get along with each other and at the same time strive to be successful on their own. So it's not a situation where screw the other guy, I want to be successful, to hell with them. Everybody works together as a team and as a natural process and natural consequence of all this, the very good people rise to the top, it's like cream rising to the top. It just is a natural phenomenon that takes place, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. You have uh, said that the, uh, or you've introduced an idea, quote, the Peter Principle in reverse. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about how this works. Well, you've heard about the Peter Principle, obviously, and interestingly enough, the Peter Principle, we've, we've all seen people that have been promoted to their level of incompetency. They seem to do well at certain levels, and as the job gets tougher uh, and uh, more challenging, they seem to burn out or or, or they can't make it. On the other hand, I, I came up with something that I noticed in my early years as a manager that mm-hmm. if you really get an individual that is very strong in the attributes that we're talking about, I mean competitiveness, 
drive, intelligence, all of these things, loyalty, the very, very strong attributes that these people have uh, lend themselves to a challenging situation. So you could get these people who have all of this and put them into a challenging situation, and you'll find that almost universally, these individuals will rise to the occasion, no matter what kind of a, a challenge you give them, within the scope of the job itself, of course, you'll find that these people will rise to the occasion. So this is the Peter principle in reverse, but you've got to have people that have the attributes that will lend themselves to be able to accept this challenge and succeed, as opposed to the individual who doesn't have it and reaches that level of incompetency. Hence the reverse on the Peter principle. That's so interesting. Reverse. So it's almost infinite. In other words, we can, I'll call it scale. We can scale these attributes or these, these attributes present themselves in such a way that an individual can rise to any occasion that uh, theoretically with no limits. Do I have that right? Exactly. Exactly. There are no limits. Exactly. I love that. All right. Theoretical infinity. I want to talk a little bit about the concept of true leaders and the idea of calculated risks with knowledge in advance of what outcomes we can expect. So uh, talk to us a little bit about that idea. Okay. In my experience, I've seen people who are very timid, and they call themselves leaders, but they're not. They're really supervisors mm. trying to appear as leaders. Yeah. A good leader will take risks, but the risks must be calculated. In other words, you can't be like a crazy man and the Lone Ranger and just just fly into the chaos of a, a very bad situation and expect that you're going to be successful. You look at a situation, you analyze it, and there might be a risk, it could be a big risk, but you say to yourself, look, if I can do this by doing this, I've got a good chance of being successful. And you take that chance, but if you've got the right person in place, if you have the right knowledge, of what you're trying to accomplish, if you got the right product and know how to sell it to the audience that said no previously, then you're onto something. Then you'll take that risk, and then you know pretty well that by taking the risk, you will be successful. Is that really a risk? Because you can calculate that it will be successful. Charles, are there particular uh, individuals, well, certainly there are. There, there are leaders with certain attributes that manage this, that do this risk management and calculation well. From your experience, what kind of person are we talking about? We're talking about a person who is very honest and it has the trust of all his people. Once you lie to an individual in your job, everybody knows about it. And you've got to be completely honest I know this in some respects goes against the Machiavellian uh, theoretical approach that uh, uh, you read in Mac Machiavelli's uh, book, The Prince, where he kind of talks against that. But in today's society, in my opinion, in my experience, complete honesty and integrity is a must. And if you make decisions that are tough for people to take, They'll at least know that you're not doing it from a backstabbing or lack of integrity point of view, that you are an honest person, 
and you have integrity, but this decision might hurt, but it's the right decision to make under the prevailing circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but that's the way it's got to be. The key here is they can never accuse you of being dishonest. They may disagree with your decision, but then they'll say, hey, you know what? The guy did what he thought was best. He was not dishonest. He was fair. He was clean. He was honest. He did what was best. And you know what? I've, this guy's going to succeed, and I will go with that, and I'll take what he has to say, and I will accept it. So integrity is very, very important. You've also got to be able to sell to your people that you understand what you're doing. Because if your people regard you as a, a person who's just a phony that's just trying to act his way through the job, they'll find out sooner or later, and, and you'll just fall on your face. So you've got to, and how do you sell who you are? By being successful in what you do. Because when you are successful in what you do, everybody knows about it. And they follow people who they perceive are successful. If you've got a successful track record and you say to someone, look, this is the way we should do it, chances are that they're going to go with you because they know that in the past you've done things that were very difficult and yet you succeeded. Winning 20 President Achievement Awards is an example of that. They say, hey, this guy must have something on the ball because he won these awards. Mm -hmm. You don't win these awards by accident because you love somebody and you kiss somebody's butt. You win these awards because you're qualified, you work hard, you know what you're doing, and you do it. It's simple, uh, yet there's, there's, there are nuances that I love, the, some of the distinctions you make from the standpoint of uh, integrity and, uh, and transparency. And, and also, you didn't say it this way, but knowing yourself, too, is a part of this, isn't it? Absolutely. You've got to know yourself, and you've got to have confidence in yourself. And people read. If you're going to hire people that are very perceptive, uh, they're going to see right through you. So you have belief in yourself. Be sure of yourself. And you can be sure of yourself because you've got a track record that says, hey, you know what? I did it. And yeah. they listen. Yeah. They listen. He they did listen. it. As we uh, wind down this uh, segment, Charles, uh, this idea of proactive strategic initiatives, the idea that we recognize and interpret the future and initiate strategies to prevent competitive success. So this is good because it's a fold-in strategy and, comp and competitive uh, elements. Yeah, most most people, most managers that I've had contact with over the years will react to a crisis after it's happened. And and by that time, it might be too late. It's very difficult to to write something that's embedded already into the public mind. So my approach was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I analyzed the market. I always looked at what the competition was going to do. I said to myself, you know what? If I were competition, what would I do to stop me? And nine times out of ten, the way I looked at it was the way the competition went after me. So by knowing what they were going to do, I set up a process of using a, a cowboy expression, cut them off at the pass. I knew what they were going to say, how they were going to say it, and why they were going to say it. So I would hit the customer 
before they would hit the customer and say, by the way, uh, so-and-so from so-and-so company is going to be coming in and talking to you about such and such. But let me just tell you ahead of time that what we're trying to accomplish is a little bit different. We're trying to determine whether or not a cancer has come back. And they're going to be trying to tell you that their approach is a lot easier to accomplish mm-hmm. and it's less like expensive. But our approach is that we will be able to, when you use our product, you'll be able to determine the reoccurrence of cancer within maybe two or three months prior to that company's ability to do the same thing. So when they come in and talk to you about what they're going to accomplish, let me remind you that our product is designed not only to to help diagnose cancer, but to be able to determine its reoccurrence, which is probably one of the most important things we can tell our customers regarding this particular test. That's an example of a CEA test we had, a cancer test we had, that was not really diagnostic in the true sense because at that time, there was no test that could actually say you have cancer. But this particular test had the ability and the affinity to be able to become positive again maybe two or three months prior to any other test on the market showing a reoccurrence of the cancer. And why was that important? By knowing early on that there's a reoccurrence of the cancer, then they could take steps prior to the cancer actually developing as opposed to once it does develop. Hmm. And uh, in your example, kind of really fascinating because uh, this idea that you have this kind of intimate and very honest and transparent conversation, uh, having done research about who's might be uh, working on something ahead of you. And uh, as you say, having them off at the pass and, 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 and reframing what they're about to witness from the competitor. That's an interesting uh, situation you paint there. Yeah. And you don't actually blast or talk down the competition. They say, look, right. they're a good company. I know they do that. a good job. But let me just remind you that we have yes. data to show that our particular product had diagnosed a reoccurrence of cancer. And that's important yeah. where cancer is yeah. concerned. And again, the way you do that, and part of this is your ability to communicate with nuance, with uh, this not shouting, this not putting down. I mean, that you, no. know, you talk about, you say the word competition, and a lot of people kind of get their guard up. It's really a fluid idea that's uh, in a marketplace where uh, as much information as you can find, you can use proactively. And I think that's the key to a lot of what I'm hearing you say there. It's so beautiful. Exactly. The work you're doing, uh, it's amazing. Charles Fiacabrino has been joining us. He's the author of the Fiacabrino Selection Process, which is a proven methodology for increasing sales and reducing turnover in your business organization. Uh, you can find his work at flevy.com. He's a longtime uh, friend and contributor at flevy.com. And uh, Charles, thanks again for being with us on the program. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to Business Executive Interviews, brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. Find them at Flevy.com. That's F-L-E-V-Y, Flevy.com. 
Remember, you can hear more interviews like these by subscribing to the Flevy.com channel on YouTube or the Business Executive Interviews podcast on iTunes. Thank you.